On today's show, Josh Bass goes solo to break down the Nets' excellent comeback win and Spencer Dinwiddie's another amazing performance and also discusses the rotation ramifications after David Nwaba's Achilles injury that sets him out for the year. Coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bass, uh, and we are here as the home of your daily content uh, for your beloved Brooklyn Nets. Of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, going solo today, Marcus Barahal. Uh, our schedules have, uh, our podcasting schedules at least, have, have kind of been passing each other. He did the solo podcast after the Spurs loss, covering that heartbreaking David Nawaba injury. I'm doing it now after the Hawks win, so I at least get the good news. Um, and if it has any solace for you guys, our social lives have been, uh, we've been connecting with each other a lot. Saw the uh, Uncut Gems movie on Friday, of course, had to, um, because basketball. And then, uh, and of course, we had to see that together and really break down uh former Net KG's appearance, and also Adam Sandler's hoop game a little bit. And then last night I went to a holiday party that he hosted. So we're still hanging out. It's just the podcasting. We're going uh, We're going iso ball, one-on-one. Um, but the Nets had a really fun game against the Hawks last night. A lot of scoring. They were getting drubbed in the second quarter and into the third, down 87-69. Had an incredible comeback to end up winning this game 122-112 uh, behind some standout performances, mainly from... Spencer Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so we'll get into that game, the highs and lows there, some some additional impressions. Uh, talk about the Nawaba injury. I know Marcus gave his impression of what they could use the roster spot for since they may be getting a hardship exception uh, given uh, if the NBA um, deems that Kyrie and, and Karras will still be out for another couple weeks. Um, but really kind of how it shifts the rotation moving forward, both now and when those guys come back. And break that all down. I think this was this was definitely an interesting game, though, because the Hawks got off to a really nice start. They were up fourteen to five in the first quarter. You know, they were playing really dogged D, and, and that didn't hold up for a long time. But they were really getting into it those first few minutes, especially some of their younger guys. Um, because when you look at them, I mean, Bruno Fernando, uh, he's a, ter- a fellow Terp, great athlete, a little undersized, but like Hunter and Reddish have really good sides on the wings, and they can get after it. Um, they were really putting a lot of ball pressure on the Nets, and they were struggling to get into their offense. And then on the other end, they were hitting shots. I mean, DeAndre Hunter had a solid game for them. Reddish was absolutely terrible. But Hunter, I thought, made some nice plays, even though uh, when you look at his night uh, in total, 5 of 12 doesn't look that great. But uh, I thought he, he showed some potential. But overall, I mean, this Hawks team was really led by Trey Young, who had 47 points. And it was a quiet 47 for him. I feel like he wasn't dominating, but he's so good at drawing fouls. Got to the line 19 times. He already has all the kind of BS foul drawing tricks uh, in his sleeve. And also his kind of hesitation dribble when he gets into his move at the top of the key, that frees him up so much because he's not the most explosive athlete, but neither is a guy like Harden. He's just so crafty, great at decelerating, setting up his man. Um, and that's what allows him to be really good getting just even a half step on his defender and he's able to get to the basket from there or um, pin his defender on him and and be able to draw the foul. But the Nets had a really tough time stopping him. And when you look at their roster, 
they don't have any like Nawabas probably was their best guy at, at guarding those types of players while Karras was out. I think Karras can really bother those guys with his size and length, and he does have the quickness, but he's not going to do that on on the reg. And obviously, he's going to he's out um, for at least probably another game or two, and has been out. So the Nets don't really have that answer for those types of guards. And then Alex Len was draining threes. I mean, he's uh, one of, of three Terrapins on this Atlanta team. It makes me proud to be a Terp to see Bruno Fernando, Kevin Herter, and Len uh, out there. They just need to get Jake Lehman to complete that quartet, um, which is interesting. I wonder if there's any other... Has there ever been a college that has, I'd say, three or more NBA players in, in the league uh, and has all those guys on the same team? It would have to probably be only three or four guys because... As you get into five or six, it's just not going to happen. Um, but there needs to be more Terps in the league. Maybe we'll have a couple coming out uh, next year, Jalen Smith and Anthony Cohen. But uh, I know no one cares about Maryland basketball besides me, so I digress. Before we get into the Nets comeback, I want to tell you guys about Casper. Casper is the original mattress that combines multiple supportive memory foam for quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. We know how important bounce is in the NBA. Get $100 towards selected mattresses by visiting casper.com slash LockedMBA and using code LockedMBA at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. It's a sick site. Um, but on, on the net side, I mean, they got going in the, the second, in kind of late first quarter, second quarter had a 15-0 run, ball was moving really well, guys were draining threes, Joe Harris was hitting shots, uh, Temple had had some nice shots, um, but then they, it seemed like they just took their foot off the gas in the second quarter, got really lackadaisical, Len was dominating both inside and outside, I mean, he was just punking Jared Allen for a few plays, and Allen didn't have, I thought he was okay, he had a nice block on Fernando, had a big dunk he missed inside, which he should have um, obviously slammed home, but Len was dominating him. Uh, even DeAndre, who I thought had a really great game, obviously, you just look at his stats, 12 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. There were some plays in the first half where he seemed a little unengaged, and that was allowing this uh, Atlanta team to really hit the glass, and um, they ended up shooting the ball only five more times than the Nets, had a couple more offensive rebounds, turned it over less, and, and they were taking advantage of it. Um, but I thought, in terms of DeAndre Jordan, I thought he had some really nice plays, especially taking advantage of the few minutes where the Hawks went super small and had Jabari Parker at center. DeAndre was just bullying him. I mean, he was catching the ball, let's say, at the free throw line. Uh, he did this once with Jabari and once with Len. These guys were playing so far off him, obviously, because he's not going to shoot that. So he just bullies them, puts his shoulder into them, and gets the N1. Had a really nice, um, had some really nice high post passing. And I think that's an important part of this bench unit, especially now with Nawab out, who's a guy that can make stuff happen. If Karras and Kyrie are still going to be out, you need guys that can can make plays and try to generate points the the unconventional way, as opposed to guys just creating pick and rolls and stuff. And I think the combo of DeAndre with Kurutz, who is an excellent cutter, as we all know from last year, um, that can generate some easy buckets for the Nets, like we saw today. I mean, Kurutz, he had some great cuts, was three of three from the field, scoring all those points in very quick succession. So he only played eleven minutes, but I thought he was good. I mean, he was active, had a really nice contest on the weak side uh, and helping someone and forced to miss there. So I think he, in terms of him versus TLC, I think he can just make a lot more stuff happen defensively. He's going to be a more impactful player there. In terms of three-point shooting, like they're both not good three-point shooters. Um, I think Kurtz might have a little bit more natural touch, 
So I'd, I'd be interested to see what he does, if he can get his confidence back up. And it was good to see Kenny going to him. Surprised he only played 11 minutes. Um, but I think uh, it was kind of more uh, flow dictated because I think he did play well, especially in that first half. So if he can get his mojo back, he can be a, a big force for the Nets, obviously seeing what he did last year. Um, so I think they, obviously the situation with him is very unfortunate, but I think they have to do what's in their power to to get him back on track. But certainly a step in the right direction. And with Nawab out, he's going to have to be a big cog for them. But I think, you know, Atlanta, they didn't play well even because they were there was two plays in the first quarter where they had uncontested rebounds that they just lost um, the play at the end of the game where Nets are up by three. Herter has the ball on a fast break, dribbling up the court. He just dribbles it off someone else's foot on the Hawks. Uh, Joe Harris collects it up and, and hits an and one. Like they, they had a lot of plays where they just shot themselves in the foot. Um, and, and they could have won this game. And that's what happens when you have a very young team. I mean, look at their starting lineup. It's three rookies and two second-year guys. And the guy that has been suspended for them in one of their core cogs uh, and someone that they're really missing, John Collins, he's only in his third year. So all the, the, the veterans on this team, you know, Len, Vince Carter, Alan Crabb, who uh, I certainly did not miss having on the nets after his bricks last night and just completely uh, making zero impact. Like all the... The vets on their team are off the bench. So I think they probably need to diversify that a little bit. Maybe, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's probably moving even someone like Herter, staggering his minutes more so he has more ball handling ability with the second unit and putting Alan Crabb in his spot, who's um, maybe a more reliable three-point shooter. But uh, I definitely don't think Lloyd Pierce is doing a great job with this team. But just given their inexperience, I mean, you can't expect them to be too much better than 6-24 and 24. Uh, especially given the Collins suspension, even though Trey Young is putting up superstar stats. Um, so yeah, the Nets were, were down big late third. Temple was really the one that I think got them back on track. They made a little run that cut the lead to five. Um, the the Hawks had a nice comeback at the end of the third quarter to extend the lead to 13 um, before the break. But Temple, I mean, was 10 of 19 from the field, four of nine from three. He's been struggling a lot lately, but he was hitting some tough contested threes, including a really nice step back. He was getting to his floater, which has been a nice weapon for him. I think his ability to create shots in the mid-range, I mean, it's really never been a forte of his. And, and when he's made all of his stops previously in his career, he's been asked to, to more so be a 3 and D guy. But just given the dearth of Nets talent right now, shot-creating talent, I mean, no KD, no Kyrie Irving, no Karis LeVert. So... He's been forced into this kind of role, and I don't think a lot of people knew he had it in him, but he has, I think, more than ex exceeded expectations. And when you look at his percentages, they're not going to be great, but that's it, not the type of player he is. So the the ability to hit those shots and give the Nets a little burst here and there uh, has been much needed. So I think his percentages specifically are really going to get better, and he'll be more efficient once those other guys come back, uh, and he's forced to do less. But he's definitely stepped up admirably in this type of role. Uh, and it's just a, a really nice thing to see that he can do it. And, and you know, when he's in that more 3D role and he's, let's say, the fourth or fifth guy on the floor uh, and he can attack closeouts and have more space to operate, he could be a real weapon for the Nets in a lower usage role. So uh, really good to see that. And then the fourth quarter came and, and you know, Spencer Dinwiddie just got going. He had an awesome game getting to the line 12 times. It could have been more. I mean, he was freaking out at the refs all night. Pretty deserved, I'd say. Uh, a lot of calls. He should have gotten in. One's are a couple drives to the basket, I noticed, where um, he didn't get fouls. And the refs weren't great in this game. I thought Trey Young got a few 
BS foul calls. The Nets got a couple ones also, but overall, uh, I think Dimity should have had more than his 12 free throw attempts, but he, he shot the ball great, 13 of 27. He has certainly become one of the best players in the league going downhill and attacking the basket. And I think it's not, you can't make light of this comeback also because the Nets were down by 18, and Spencer Dimity picks up his fifth foul, his fifth personal midway through the third. I mean, for them to go the rest of the game kind of uh, on that, that high wire act with him having five fouls, and if he fouls out at any moment, the Nets are kind of just done, it makes the comeback even more impressive. You know, he does pick up a tech, um, which I thought was interesting. That was only his third tech of the season, given how much he complains. And again, it's not saying it's unwarranted, but you'd think he'd have more so like six or seven by now, but but only three for Spencer. So so nice job, and I think it shows that he's getting a bit more respect and, and the rest are more lenient with him given his ascendance this year, um, which is nice to see, of course. And, I mean, this comeback was really spearheaded by Dinwiddie. I think he hit six of his last seven shots. He was getting to the line at will, setting up guys like Joe Harris. Um, and so he just had an, an awesome game and, and really just kind of single-handedly fueled that Nets comeback. And I mean, this was a, a game that they didn't need to win, but you want to get this W uh, coming off a deflating loss against the Spurs, both that they, they kind of blew the lead and also having the devastating injury to Nawaba. And you're going up against an Atlanta team where you're much better coached than them. You're just more disciplined. You have the best player in the game. Um, so it was nice to see the, the Nets get this win. And now they have four days to recover. You know, who knows, maybe Kyrie or Karras make a miraculous comeback. I think Karras seems like he's a little closer. Um, but they're going to play the Knicks on Thursday. That game actually was supposed to be on national TV, and the Knicks are so atrocious that it got moved off. Uh, and also probably because maybe Kyrie's not there and, and they don't have the star power um, that they would have otherwise. But but thanks a lot, Knicks, for just being so incompetent that you're actually hurting the Nets and getting them kicked off national TV. But um, you know what? Still would much prefer Ian Eagle, Ryan Rucco, Sarah, RJ, whoever's working the game, rather than the national TV announcers. So I guess it works out in the in the aggregate on this one. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the Nawab injury, obviously devastating to see. He tears out Achilles immediately. Everyone knows he's out for the, the whole season. Um, it's devastating on two accounts. One that he was really starting to hit his stride for this Nets team and becoming a huge contributor. And then if you just know this guy's story at all, someone that paid for his own tryout in the G league, it's just heartbreaking that he finally gets, um, He's been around the league for a couple of years and, and someone that has a really good reputation and a good guy to have in your roster, but now he's getting consistent playing time, has etched his way into the Nets rotation after not being really in it to start the season, and now all this happens, and you just your heart goes out to the guy. Um, but from a Nets standpoint, I don't want to be callous, but looking at it um, the way the team is now, you have to think Kruger starts getting a lot of his minutes. I think if he can play even somewhat close to what he did last year, he's someone that deserves about 15 or 20 a night. TLC is really going to play, and Chandler is going to play a lot until reinforcements come back. I think Kenny has acknowledged that Pinson should be out of the rotation. Musa, they, they saw what they had in him. I think he's someone that they like that they gave him a look, and now more so focusing on just his development um, outside of games now. But, you know, they're going to have to rely on guys like TLC. He played 19 minutes last night, did not make an impact at all, only took one shot. Um, the only other thing I remember him doing was driving to the basket. He got called for an offensive foul for using the off arm. So uh, I think he, he has showed some nice feel in a couple games before, um, getting to the basket and, and, and kind of cutting. But overall, I think he is kind of a limited offensive player. 
my big red flag with him is, is kind of his inability to hit threes in the G League and also in the NBA so far. Uh, only 28.6% in the G League this year on a pretty good number of attempts. So that's concerning, but uh, I think maybe I, I feel confident that DeAndre Kirk's connection can lead to a lot of easy baskets for the Nets. And, you know, Kenny's going to have to piece things together. A lot of that's going to come down to Temple, hopefully playing well as, as kind of the backup de facto point guard now. Um, but the bench that the Nets threw out there last night, you I mean, besides DeAndre Jordan, Kirk's Chandler, TLC combining for 51 minutes, like that's just not quality, as of now, quality NBA rotation guys. So, um, it'll work against teams like the Hawks and, and the Knicks, but when you play better teams, even someone like the Spurs, who's definitely not uh, great this year, they're struggling, but they have a deep bench. They can take advantage uh, of the Nets. So we'll have to hope, fingers crossed, that uh, reinforcements, either one of Karras or Kyrie, get here quickly, but we've been saying that for a while, uh, especially on the Kyrie front, and it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Um, so we will be further in, uh, in wait-and-see mode. Um other thing, it was cool to see Kobe and his daughter there and, and getting to um, have them at the game courtside. I think Kobe was sitting next to Joe Tsai's wife, so that's interesting uh, connection there. And obviously, Kobe is extremely popular in China, so maybe um, those two two guys know each other a little bit. Um, but that's going to do it for us here today. Have a great holiday season, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us. And, and we, Marcus and I very appreciate all of the support and the listenership that we've had in 2019. Wishing you all a very uh, fruitful and relaxing holiday season. Of course, Go Nets will be back a couple times throughout the week, uh, even though we'll be recording in different locations because Marcus is out west in Arizona. I think he's going to the Nuggets Suns game. So hopefully, Locked On Suns does not uh, poach him away while he's there. But until next time, be well.